When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think they're executing. I think the plans that they have is very good. Mackey and Judd. He's still got a long way to go, but it's great. On 1500 ESPN. I can't say enough about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, not only what a phenomenal person he is, what a leader he is, but how hard he has attacked his rehab and wanting to prove that he can come back from such a devastating injury. So he's worked extremely hard. He's been practicing over these past couple weeks. We'll get another week to evaluate where he's at before we have to make a decision next Wednesday. That the voice of Vikings general manager Rick Spielman. Welcome back to hour number three of the Mackey and Judd Show. Those guys are on vacation. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt of the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. Joe, you were there yesterday for those words. You got some FaceTime with Rick Spielman. Was the Teddy dialogue the main headline? Was that your main takeaway from yesterday's session? It certainly was. And and Rick was able to stay on his speaking point. And his speaking point was, we're not going to put anybody out in the field until they're ready. And, and here's the problem, I think, for anybody who covers the Vikings and Spielman. Normally, if you cover a coach or a general manager for any length of time, you can kind of get their language. You kind of understand what they're trying to say. Tom Kelly, for example, many times you'd interview Tom Kelly, you'd come out of there and saying what he said was not what he meant. You know, you knew what the underlying shot was. Spielman doesn't talk enough for us to realize. And, and when he does talk, he's so safe, he says nothing. Um, I, I would think that uh, what they're doing here is they're just uh, they're going to activate them. I'm pretty sure they're going to activate them, don't you think? Yes. Yeah, they're going to Absolutely, activate. yes. Next but, Wednesday or maybe it's Tuesday, but yes, next week Teddy Bridgewater added to the 53-man roster. Yeah, it only makes sense because you've got a team here that could potentially be a uh, Super Bowl contender and if Case Case Keenum could get hurt too. You know, you don't want to go with Kyle Sloter, and we don't know what Sam Bradford will be other than Spielman said. Sam Bradford could potentially be healthy, too. And uh, But but I think this is they're protecting themselves from two things. One, that Teddy doesn't have a setback between now and next Wednesday. Two, they, they're going to have to cut somebody on the 53-man roster, so they probably want to wait until as late as they can Wednesday to try to sneak him back on the practice squad. And and three, it, I don't think there's any strategy in this because Teddy's not going to start in the game against Washington anyway. Are you sure they have to cut somebody? Is there any potential of Sam Bradford being put on injured reserve, thus he's out for the year? I mean, I'm with you. I mean, logically speaking, it seems like Kyle Sloter, I mean, you won't have four quarterbacks among your 53, I wouldn't think. You know, so yes, would you like to sneak Sloter through waivers, then re-sign him to the practice squad? It's what they did a couple days ago with fifth-round pick Rodney Adams. Yes, but I'm just thinking, and Sam's done a lot, right? I mean, he's gone to see Dr. Andrews in Florida. 
He did that thing out in New York where they take some blood, re-inject it, whatever it is. It's the Kobe Bryant right. strategy from a couple years ago when Kobe went to Germany to have this procedure done. But, I mean, Sam, you know, the word is he's done a lot, but that doesn't mean Sam is getting back in the field. So is it possible Sam Bradford is placed on injured reserve? It's possible, but remember, at the same time, he said point blank that soundbite he played on Teddy, uh, that the Dave played on Teddy going into this segment, just put Sam's name in front of it because he said the same thing about Sam. Sam has done everything he can. He's gone above and beyond. He's done this. He's done that, trying to get back on the field, and we think he has the potential to come back yet this year. Once again, if you look at the Sam Bradford of Game 1, if he can come back and be 90% of the Sam Bradford in Game 1, would you take him? Yes. Yeah. Some of those throws he made in Week 1 against New Orleans, there's about five quarterbacks that can make those throws. And Kyle Sloter, I'm going to say something here. If they cut him, I think somebody picks him up. Because he's got this Oof. potential. Listen, uh, maybe. I mean, why wouldn't a team like Cleveland or you know just pick him up because they got a roster spot for the rest of the year, and then you then you have control of him if he has any potential at all. So so I I wonder if at this late in the season, with eight games left for most teams, if somebody doesn't pick him up, would you agree it's a matter of when, not if, that somebody other than Case Keenum takes a snap at the quarterback position? So the question is. Is there a better chance that's Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Bradford? If you had to guess, whether it's three weeks from now, four weeks from now, at some point, somebody other than Case Keenum is taking snaps. If, if someone other Who than... Who is it? It's Teddy. I think it's you're Teddy. right. Yeah, I you think know, you're right. I, I asked Spielman this question. Because Spielman kept saying, we're, we're talking about next week, we're taking it a day at a time. And I said, you're the general manager of this football team. Do you not have to see Teddy Bridgewater play this year before you decide who's going to be your starting quarterback next year? I mean, because if if Teddy plays this year and he's active, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Now, who knows what the market will bring for Teddy? And and also, are the Vikings going to pay Teddy, you know, the the hundred million dollar contract that elite NFL quarterbacks are getting? No, there's no way. There's no way in the world. So they almost have to see him at some point before they would make any kind of commitment to him. And, you know, Teddy, I think, would be loyal to the Vikings, but at the same time, if somebody offers him a better deal, he could be caught. Is it unfair to Case? Case has been what you would expect, right? An upper-level backup. He's had moments of brilliance. Think about the Tampa game. He's had moments where you're like, whoa, what the heck is he doing? Detroit game at times. Heck, even against the Browns at times early, even against the Ravens at times early, he did get better as those games went on, Baltimore, Cleveland. He's done enough, right? I mean, is it unfair to Case as long as he keeps winning? Now, maybe he goes belly up against the Redskins in two weeks, then you start Teddy against the Rams on November 19th. But as long as Case keeps winning, how do you change quarterbacks? Here's my theory on Case. I think what they ought to do is start with the no-huddle offense. Because you, do you ever notice when Case kind of gets in rhythm? He starts off slowly a lot. He kind of gets in rhythm when they go to that fast-paced offense, which is what he was used to in college. So I think that gets him in a rhythm. But when you, you know, the, the question you asked to answer that question, when you look at the, the metrics, when you look at the numbers, I think you got to go with Case until Case can't do it. I'm with you. I think he's been up and down. But, yes, if he plays relatively well against the Redskins – even if they lose that game, if he plays relatively well, how do you start Teddy against the Rams on November 19th? By the way, think about the magnitude 
of that game. Maybe it's still early. Maybe I'm premature on this, but we're at the halfway point. You think about that game against the Rams? That could be for a two-seed. That could be for a first-round playoff bye. So if Case plays relatively well against the Redskins, I think Case has to start against the Rams. And that Redskins game is not necessarily going to be easy. No, and, they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're not too bad. And, and we also remember what happened to the Vikings last year after the bye. So nowhere in that locker room can the here-we-go-again theory go in anybody's head. I'd still rather have the bye than be Washington coming off a game against the Seahawks. I mean, I get it, Zimmer, what, one and two coming out of the bye? I'd still rather be in the Vikings position heading into that November 12th game at Washington than the Redskins playing against the Seahawks this weekend. I, I'll agree with you. I, I will totally agree with you. Um, I do think that's why they did it a little bit different this year because um, they practiced two days this week. I think last year it was one day come in, it was kind of a light walkthrough, get your injuries checked out, and then you're out of here, and everybody headed to South Beach. Not and, necessarily South Beach. Yeah, but. but somewhere warm. But yeah, and they'll practice on Monday. I can't recall last year. Did they go hard on the Monday after the bye? Or they, was it more just a team meeting, escape, and we'll see you on Wednesday? And it was a late Monday. This is an early Monday. So they, they were actually giving people time to get back into town. And um, I think they're going back on the regular schedule Monday, which means you're at the office at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning for lifting, and, and you do your regular Monday. So um they are approaching it differently. You know, Danny Green was a guy who was great into buys and out of buys. They ought to look at his formula. He really was. That He used to take great pride in that. And uh, whatever he did, the Vikings had a very good record in and out of buys. I still think a lot of it or some of it is schedule luck. Sure. Just who you're playing, right? I mean, if you happen to be playing the Cleveland Browns coming out of the buy or the 49ers, you know, it's a layup, right? I mean, who cares if these guys party hard for four days? You'll win the game regardless. You've got... Four of the next five games are on the road, and the next five games are all against teams that could make the playoffs. So there's your season right there. Yes. Now, I saw a note. I think it was Pro Football Focus. I have no idea how they quantify this. But Pro Football Focus was making the case that the Vikings' first-half schedule, more difficult than the second half. I just don't get it, though. Yeah, I mean, five road games, so only three home games. You think about at Carolina, at Atlanta, at Detroit short week, Thanksgiving. I think the second half is way more challenging than the first half. I do. Here, Here's the other thing. But I still think they win 10 or 11. Last year, one of the reasons that the Vikings uh, had the bad second half is the defense started to lose some air in the balloon. Mm-hmm. You know, they started leaking. The defense this year has been so outstanding they, they looked a little leaky in the first half against Cleveland. Now, that might have been just, you know, it was Cleveland and they it was London and all that put together. But that defense has to come out stout in the second half of the season. Then I don't think they're going to have any issues winning the division and maybe even getting that number two seed. It's all about maintaining health. I mean, oh, Harrison Smith yeah. missed yeah. some games. I mean, they had some guys on yeah. that defense. You think about all the man games they lost, I mean, with Teddy, Adrian. But they had some guys miss games on that defense, too, last year. They had so many injuries. If they can maintain health with that defense, I don't know if it matters who the quarterback is that much. Yeah, Harrison Smith played on one leg most of that second half. And you had a great stat. What was the stat about running backs and receivers against the Vikings? Well, I mean, outside of Carolina, the Vikings are the only team in the NFL that has not allowed a 100-yard receiver or 100-yard rusher. And just to me, look at points given up. I mean, you go back how many weeks? I mean, Detroit scores, what, 14. They win the game, but they score 14. 
you think about Green Bay, what they score, 10, 13, 14, whatever it was. It wasn't many. You know, you think about Cleveland and Baltimore. Yeah. You know, Chicago, right? 17. I mean, all the Vikings got to do is get to 21 points. I mean, I don't know if it matters if it's Keenum or Teddy. Get to 21 and you feel good about your chances to win the game. And here's the other thing that's happening. Spielman kind of hit on it yesterday. Uh, Chris Long and I have uh, big discussions because I say that Long thinks that Trey Waynes is terrible. I said, no, he's not. No, he's not terrible. He's not. And I said, here's the problem. But I still want Marcus Peters here. But but here's, here's no. I, think I can't he, get over that. I think he's getting better. And I will tell you this. The reason the reason he gives up some yardage is he gets thrown to. They throw at him. They're not even throwing at 29. They won't even go over there. So Trey Waynes gets all the actions. All the action. He's getting better as the season's going on. And uh, Spielman made that point. And I, I agree with it. I, I think that... You know, he's going to get picked on just because they're not going to throw it over to Xavier Rhodes. It's just not going to happen. Correct. I like Waynes. I mean, he can tackle. He can run. He's just he's not tackler. Marcus Peters, who's a no. cornerback who went a few picks after him to the Chiefs. Marcus Peters looks like he's all world. So, I mean, that's the comparison. But Trey Waynes has been he's fine. fine. He's fine. He's not bad. He's fine. Correct. We yeah. will get back to the Vikings 1130-ish. We'll keep the football theme going. Anthony Maggio is on every Thursday at 11.15, some fantasy football advice. You know, you think about the Dallas running back situation, the Miami running back situation. There's actually a bunch to get into fantasy football-wise. So we will do that next. Anthony Maggio does a podcast for Podcast One for 1500ESPN.com. He does a podcast with Bo Mitchell and those guys, John Tuvey. They do a great job covering fantasy football. So we'll catch up with Anthony Maggio next. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt. We're in for Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Put down the sports page and listen. On 1500 ESPN. Welcome back to 1500 ESPN, the Mackie and Judd Show. Those guys are on vacation back early next week. Today, it's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. We are broadcasting live from the TCL Broadcast Studios every Thursday at this time. We bring into the conversation Anthony Maggio, foremost fantasy football expert. He studies this stuff left and right. He does a podcast that you can find on 1500ESPN.com. He is omnipresent on Twitter. His Twitter handle, at MLPS, excuse me, MPLS Maggio, at Minneapolis Maggio, MPLS Maggio. And Anthony Maggio now joins the conversation. Maj, good to talk. All right, let's start with the Cowboys running back situation. Do you want Alfred Morris? Do you want Darren McFadden? What about Rod Smith? It certainly looks like Ezekiel Elliott is out at least this week, maybe for the next, what, six? Right, yeah, I was going to say, what's behind door number four? What's my next option? Um, if you picked up Alfred Morris and you need a, you know, you need to start somebody this week, heck, same thing with Darren McFadden, you know, go ahead. It's a, it's a rough bye week, but, you know, I anticipate this being a job share. I picked up Morris in one league um, yesterday, you know, when waivers ran, and I immediately flipped him. It was in a dynasty league because, you know, yeah, he could, his best case scenario if he helps you win some games in the next six weeks. But come fantasy playoffs, Zeke Elliott's back. He's not, you know, helping you at all. So if you're in any kind of keeper or dynasty league and you picked up one of these guys, you sell them now because they're, the likelihood of their value being any higher than it is right now is, is pretty pretty small, pretty minimal. So, um, you know, it's better to use them uh, and flip them as an asset than it is to rely on them to carry your team. I mean, some, some people are in a, a spot where they have to. You know, there's running back problems. And, you know, if, given that backfield, I'm going to play Morris first. But it is definitely a fluid situation, one I'm preferring to avoid if I can. For very selfish reasons, Schmidt and me in the highly competitive Shaver League, we have Tariq Cohen on a bye. We have Duke Johnson on a bye. Can we get away with playing Rod Smith? 
God, you know, I think you can probably find better options on waivers. I mean, because no, you know, my, no, this is a tough league. Twenty team league. No, we really can't. Well, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what other kind of options you're looking at. You can play him. I mean, I, you know, he'll get snaps. He'll for sure get snaps. And you know, we could end up seeing Morris and McFadden fall on their faces, and Smith end up getting a lion's share. Like it's, it's certainly in the cards. Is that you know, that's an opportunity there. Uh, you know, that could come to fruition. But, you know, I'm looking at guys, you know, even on the low end of sort of the ownership spectrum, you know, guys like Devontae Booker, Chris Ivory, Damian Williams, you know, those being guys I would prefer to play than Rod Smith, and there's probably a handful more too. But, I mean, he's going to get work. You know, we're, we're going to get to see him. He's a bigger back. Uh, he's actually played a little fullback, I think, in the past, but he's lined up at receiver for for the Cowboys. So he can kind of do a lot of things. I don't know that he's going to be great at anything, but uh, perhaps he'll get enough snaps to, you know, make it worthwhile and get you at least a couple of Points. Just stumble into the end zone once. That's all we're asking for. <laughs> all we're asking, I, you know, we're going to see a whole lot of, da- of uh, Dak Prescott, and um, I, I have a feeling he is going to have some monster weeks uh, here in the near future as they bide their time to get Zeke back. We've seen a lot of people try to pick up some uh, Miami running backs this week, but I, I think the problem in Miami might be more than just the JHI. Uh, they obviously do not have a very good offensive line. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to have guys making room to run there. So uh, Kenyon Drake is the most intriguing of the guys left, but it's almost sort of a, you know, devil we don't know versus the devil we do, you know, with Damian Williams. Uh, Six touches last Thursday night in that blowout loss against uh, Baltimore. That was the most he had had in any game this season. He's only got 13 touches all season. So, uh, I mean, again, you know, one of those, if you got to pick one of those guys, um, you know, the safer floor play, honestly, is probably Damian Williams because you know he's going to get a little something. Um, but Drake is probably the guy that they would like to see in the immediate future be the one that, that takes this job and, and runs with it. But uh, I have a feeling they'll be addressing that position this offseason. So uh, what does Philadelphia do with a guy then? How does that uh, screw up their rotation there? You know, uh, fantasy owners are a, a little bit lucky in that. Uh, well, I mean, with bye weeks, they might not be lucky at all. But with a, with Ajay having to face with with Philly having to face Denver this week, it's not really a spot you want to start your running back in anyway. So you can take a little bit of a wait and see approach. Um, you know, you're not inclined to start Ajay or Blount unless you absolutely have to. And then there's a bye week where he can get a little more acclimated there. So. You know, I I do like Ajay to be the the lead dog in that backfield. Probably, you know, as soon as you know, three three weeks from now, uh, three fantasy weeks from now. So, um, I, I, certainly his upside is much more than it is than it, it you know was in Miami because obviously they can run block. I don't think they have a rushing touchdown still this year in Miami uh, in that backfield. So yeah, Ajay's prospects look good for the rest of the season. Just it's probably going to be a couple weeks until you can really use them. Maj, you briefly touched on Devontae Booker of Denver, reading some quotes from Vance Joseph, the Broncos head coach. Seemingly, they really like Booker. I mean, I guess, will it be a committee approach moving forward? I mean, they also have Jamal Charles. You think about C.J. Anderson. You know, and that being said, I mean, is it is it a good pickup? I mean, is it a worthwhile pickup? If you have a chance to pick up Devontae Booker, is that a move somebody should make, especially if you're in a 14, 16, 20-team league? Yeah, in those, in those deeper leagues, absolutely. He's a guy you grab. You know, 12, 10-team leagues, um, unless you've got really deep benches, you can probably avoid him. But, you know, he had nine touches on Monday night, and that was a season high for him. He's got three or more receptions now in three straight games. And he got a look inside the 10. That touchdown he ran in was from, I think, the sixth. Uh, you know, so, though, you know, he's getting 
a decent number of looks, and he's getting some high-value looks. Now, you know, I don't think C.J. Anderson's going away. Had that ball been on the two-yard line or one-yard line, it probably would have more likely been Anderson. But I can't say that with any certainty, and Booker's certainly the guy trending up in that backfield among that committee. So, yeah, you know, you said it right in that it's going to continue to be a committee, but Booker at least, you know, has some projection, uh, you know, looking upwards, whereas everybody else is eh, not all that exciting. Kelvin Benjamin in a trade goes from Carolina to Buffalo. I have to imagine in some leagues, Tyrod Taylor, Buffalo quarterback, is available. Buffalo plays tonight against the Jets. Maybe that's a favorable matchup for Tyrod Taylor. Do you like Benjamin more in Buffalo, or will people miss him in Carolina? And then I guess, you know, on the backside of that is, who's the receiver now to pick up in Carolina? Presumably, somebody will take a lot of those snaps. Yeah, I mean, we're starting with Benjamin. Honestly, I do. I think from from an NFL standpoint, this is a great move if, uh, for Buffalo and for Tyrod. It's going to help him. Uh, but for Benjamin, I think that his best case scenario is to be as good as he was in Carolina. Uh, I, I honestly think his production is going to go down some because you can't learn a playbook in a week or even you know a month. There are guys that switch teams in the off season at the receiver position, and it takes them a whole year to get accustomed to that. The good news is Taylor's a guy who you know he's not a pocket passer. He keeps the plays alive with his legs, and so when that happens, and it's a scramble drill, Benjamin's the kind of guy you want who can take off downfield, box somebody out, get up in the air, you know, catch something at catch a ball at its highest point. So I do think he's got opportunity. Uh, you know, a, you know, touchdown is certainly in the cards every week for him just because of the kind of player he is. But living up to what he's done to this point, I think it's going to be hard for him to do. Um, and meanwhile, yeah, what's left in Carolina, it's interesting because the first place you go is Curtis Samuel, right? He's the highly touted rookie, and, you know, they want to get some more speed on the field. But, you know, Russell Shepard's got a lot of speed himself, too. And, you know, I'm not – Samuel is the guy that if I had to pick up one for the rest of the season, I think they would want it to be Samuel, but I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. So I'm going to be watching that game really closely this week just to see you know, how those snaps are split out, how they're using guys, where they're targeting them. So if you can only pick up one right now, it, it would be Samuel, I think, for the long term, but I just don't think that that's a slam dunk. It's been kind of a strange year for quarterbacks in fantasy football this year. you you got Breeze and Brady who are there every year, but – when Rodgers got hurt, all of a sudden Matt Ryan's not been good, Carr's not been good, and there are others. It's uh, you know people who thought they got a pretty good steal with a you know mid to late round quarterback as their starter. Some of them, like me, are struggling. Yeah, yeah, it has been weird because you, you know you talk about waiting on quarterback and part in your draft, and part of the reason why is when you take a guy sort of right after that top tier, you feel very committed to him. You know if he's the you know, the fourth through the eighth quarterback off the board. It's like, all right, I've invested some draft capital here, and so I want to try to make this work. Whereas if you take a guy late, either A, it works out awesome, you waited late and you got a good value, or B, you don't care about dropping him because you didn't invest that much in him. And then you can pick up the Deshaun Watsons of the world, the Alex Smiths of the world, who right now are first and third, respectively, in average points per game at the position. Meanwhile, you've got Brady at six, you've got Breeze at eight, you've got Rodgers out for the rest of the year. So, yeah, it's just another reason why you know we kind of preach waiting on quarterback because it's hard on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, you know Brady and Breeze are going to be there in the top ten, but you got to pick them one or two. You know, so um, there's really you, they have to achieve their ceiling in order to meet value. So just you know, every year you know we talk about taking a quarterback late, and this is you know just a prime example why. 
I don't remember you having Alex Smith high on your uh, on your not, on your no. cheat sheet there, Maz. What the heck were you thinking about? Yes, no, Alex Smith was not uh, anywhere near the top there. I think uh, I'm trying to. Uh, I actually have my last rankings. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing. I mean, Matt Ryan was four, Russell Wilson five, and he's played very well, so that's been good. Kirk Cousins six has been fine, but he doesn't have an offensive line anymore, so that's no good. Mariota's been terrible. Roethlisberger's been bad. Jameis Winston's been bad. Cam has been okay. I mean, seriously, the list, it's its a graveyard of, of fantasy quarterbacks here. You've got to go all the way down. You know, I having Dak Prescott at 15 was an egregious error on my part. But, um, yeah, it's... You're it's not alone, Mosh. You're no, not I, alone. I, right, I know. But it's, it's so hard. So, again, if you waited that late and you got... I mean, Carson Palmer did okay till he got hurt. But, you know, you, you pick up Carson Wentz, like, all right, I'm going to start him for a week or two to see how things go, or Tyrod Taylor. You're sitting pretty right now. Yeah, I mean, on Wentz, I mean, let me get your thoughts on a controversy in another league I'm in. All right, so somebody needs a running back, all right? Here was the trade in this league that I'm in. Chris Thompson, Redskins running back, third down specialist, right? Now, it is a PPR league, all right? So Chris Thompson has some value, but this was the trade this week. Chris Thompson for Eagles quarterback. How would you handle that, Maj? I mean, this guy really needed a running back. He's also got Russell Wilson. I mean, he took Russell Wilson relatively high, Took Wentz, took Philly quarterback way late in the draft. So he had two good quarterbacks. He needs a running back desperately. So he was willing to give up Carson Wentz this week for Chris Thompson. Is that one of those where you look at the guy's roster and say, he so badly needs a running back, we have to approve the trade? What would you do? Yeah, I don't have any problem with that trade, honestly. Chris Thompson is looked at sort of generically as a third down back. But realistically speaking, he's the best back in that backfield. And I mean, he's the number eight PPR running back right now. Number eight. Hmm. And uh, so I didn't realize it was that high. Okay. Not even, you know, uh, you know, a comfortable running back one. And, you know, at the quarterback position, yeah, Wentz has been great. And I, I anticipate he'll continue to be, but uh, continue to be good. But they've got Denver this week. You don't like that matchup. They've got a bye. He's got a quarterback in Wilson, you said, that, you know, he's going to probably start anyway. So um, getting a running back one when they're so hard to come by for a quarterback when you have depth at that position, I, I think that's a, a that's a smart move. That's a, that's a trade. I, I'm firmly in the camp of the guy who got Chris Thompson is winning that deal. Well, I'll tell you what, because when I heard it, I thought Doogie made the deal because Doogie likes to pick on people that don't know what they're doing in fantasy football <laughs> talk them into making a really bad trade and uh, i'm glad i'm glad first of all it wasn't doogie and i'm glad you said the trade was fair yeah. guilty as charged oh, yeah, i traded three cohen for adam thielen a couple weeks ago they, oh, I, man. I, I try to warn the newbies in the league when you see doogie coming close the door Oh, oh, Joe, you're guilty too, by the way. Some of those trade proposals you throw out there. Hey, trust me, I'm on an island by myself. All right, Maj, let's finish with you and Judd on a weekly basis. Pick what three guys, a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver. But once you pick a guy, you can't pick them then for the rest of the year. You guys use a standard scoring system, and it's a battle. You guys will play, what, the 17 weeks and see after week 17 who has the more points, whether it's the guys that you picked or Judd. So you sent me Judd's picks for the week. He's got Russell Wilson, Seattle against Washington. He's got LaShawn McCoy tonight, Buffalo against the Jets. And he's got Des Bryant. I'm surprised he hasn't used Des yet, but he's got Des Bryant tonight. Or no, not tonight, Sunday. Dallas playing Kansas City. So those are Judd's picks. Wilson, McCoy, Bryant. For this week, standard scoring system, who are your three guys? Yeah, I like that Des pick. I was tempted to use him and Dak this week, but I'm keeping them in my back pocket for a future week here. Uh, my week, I'm I'm actually stacking Saints this week. I'm going with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas going against Tampa. Uh, you know, Tampa's aligned the seventh most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks and the most fantasy points per game to opposing receivers. 
Michael Thomas has actually been the wide receiver 13 or better four of his last five, seven or more catches in those. I know people are kind of down on him because he hasn't been scoring touchdowns, but this offense has been scoring more rushing touchdowns lately, and I think that starts to normalize here this week. And then at running back, I'm going to use Adrian Peterson. This is probably the only Woo! time the rest of the way I can use mm. him. I'm, you know, I'm keeping guys like Jordan Howard and Carlos Hyde and, and uh, DeMarco Murray in my back pocket here for the next you know coming weeks. So I'm going to go with Adrian because I think this is the only time I can use him. Uh, no team is allowing more fantasy points per game to running backs than the Niners are. And, you know, they they don't have Carson Palmer anymore. Drew Stanton's going to be throwing the ball, so I think they feed Peterson a lot here. And um, he may not be the highest-scoring running back of the week, but I think that this is the time to use him in a, in a situation like this. Thank you, Maj. Thanks, guys. Nice talking to you. Absolutely. Maj. Anthony Maggio on Twitter, at MPLS Maggio. Also, his fantasy football podcast available on 1500ESPN.com. When we come back, it was an active week. I mean, we just addressed all the trades, or at least a lot of the trades in the NFL. It was an active week with the trade deadline on Tuesday, yet the Vikings were not active. Did the Vikings make a mistake not adding to their roster? We'll continue the Vikings talk next. It's the Mackey and Judd Show. Those guys are out. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt. It's 1500 ESPN. The Mackey and Judd Show rolls on. And now for the main event. On 1500 ESPN. We'll get to some Twins talk next segment. ESPN.com just posted its 2018 power rankings where the Twins came in. And we all get it. It's way early. The Twins roster will change, maybe even significantly over the next handful of months. But where the Twins came in, pretty surprising. So we'll get to that next segment. But let's continue the Vikings talk that we started at 11 a.m., Joe. It's Joe Schmidt. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. All right. I mean, how many trades were there at the deadline on Tuesday? I mean, it seems like this year more than others. Yeah. Maybe it just was the names, J.H.I., Calvin Benjamin, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, go up and down the list, you know. But it seems like there were more trades than most years. The Vikings were not active. I guess I'm not surprised. In fact, I'm not surprised one bit. But did the Vikings make a mistake not adding somebody this week? Well, here was the interesting thing that Spielman said. Uh, he said, yeah, there were some calls. And he admitted that they're a little bit worried about their running back situation. So, so they don't have any depth. If if uh, either Latavius Murray or McKinnon get hurt, you got C.J. Ham taking a pretty big role. And uh, I think the role he's in right now is probably maybe at the top. That that's the top of his talent. Um, so they picked up the guy that Washington cut. Yeah, I forget his name. I forget his name, too. Yeah, but they picked up a running back, a nondescript running back who got a few snaps, I guess, last year. Well, they had their eye on him, apparently, for a couple of years. So so that was their their rationale was that they got as good a running back as they could get without giving away a young asset. So he said everybody wanted their young players. That that was what, what Spielman said. So I understand that. We know he's not afraid to pull the trigger on a trade. He's, you know, certainly on draft day, he's never been afraid to do that. But um, I would like to see the NFL become more like baseball where you have blockbuster trades, and it just doesn't work out with the cap, I guess, as much. But in the old days, that's always kind of fun. Yes, but I don't know if we'll ever get to that point because teams value these draft picks. Not that they don't value them in the NBA, NHL, and so on. Hopefully we'll get to the day where major league teams can trade more than you know those compensatory picks or whatever it is. that You can trade every pick. But, I've talked to Mike Radcliffe of the Twins about that. He feels like at some point, it might be five years from now, but at some point teams will be able to trade draft picks. But I think just in the NFL, all these teams just figure, oh, we can find you know a star in the fifth round, sixth round. I'm not giving up a pick for somebody that's had his body beat up for four, five, six years. Yeah. It's such a violent sport. Give me the 21-year-old, 22-year-old over this veteran 27-year-old. But how about Belichick? So Belichick, 
he had to have the Hoyer thing lined up before he traded mm-hmm. Garoppolo. I mean, I don't know how he did it, but he knew that Hoyer was going to be available once he traded Garoppolo. He got a second-round draft pick, and he now has a backup quarterback who is just as good as Garoppolo for, for what they need if, if Brady goes down. And you think about it, I mean, it's pretty much a first-round pick, right? Yeah. And you think about the Niners, I mean, it's pick 34, right? right. I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty much a first-round pick. I mean, heck, I guess he also has assurance that Tom Brady is playing for what? Another three years, four years that Tom will play until he's 42, 43. You would think so. But, you know, let, let's also remember that when you get that old, if you do get an injury, it's a little harder to recover. And and what we don't know is running backs, when running backs hit the cliff, they hit the cliff, right? I mean, they go down quickly. Quarterbacks, you kind of never really know because they, I guess quarterbacks may be more fade away. But I think of uh, Donovan McNabb. He's the guy I was trying to think of what quarterback just fell off the cliff. McNabb was a pretty good quarterback, but one day he just couldn't throw the football anymore. I mean, heck, are we seeing it right now with Ben Roethlisberger? Remember, he hinted in the offseason at retirement. His retirement's still on his mind. Not that he's been god-awful, but we're so used to seeing him play at such a high level, Roethlisberger's not having a good year for his standards. And and tell me this, how many of these guys, a guy like Roethlisberger, a smart guy, guy's made a lot of money, how many of these guys now all of a sudden they get families, young families, and they start thinking, you know, I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. I mm-hmm. don't want to be in a walker, mm-hmm. and um, or I want to remember my grandkids' names. I don't want them to have to wear name tags. I mean, they see what's happening and what has happened to a lot of the, the players in the NFL that are 50, 60, 70, and they don't want to be that. And they got enough money. Correct. Now, do you sense... The Vikings came at all close to trading any guys, a Jarius Wright for a draft pick, a Steven Weatherly for a draft pick, or no? Is that one of those deals where when you're the general manager, you have to take a temperature of your locker room, you trade a popular guy like Jarius Wright, it's not worth the six-round pick you could have gotten for him. It's not worth disrupting the locker room, the chemistry. I, I would agree with that, and on top of that, I think you know Jarius Wright would have been a guy that would have made sense to at least look at, but he's also pretty valuable. I mean, Jerry's right. He doesn't play much, but when he does play, he gets third downs. He makes plays. Yeah, I mean, think about the catches against Baltimore. Yeah. Two of the three catches he had in that game were really good catches. Those were not good throws by Keenum. He rescued Keenum, making good catches. So, yeah, he offers depth. I mean, you think about the wide receiver position. You know, Michael Floyd has this pesky hamstring now. You know, he hasn't been as good as we thought. Laquan Treadwell, we're still wondering about him. I mean, if Diggs goes down for... A real length of time, you know, more than two weeks. Or Adam Thielen, God forbid, goes down for a lengthy amount of time. Jarius Wright offers some depth. So you're talking about the running back position. I get it. I mean, my sense is the Vikings did not come close to moving any guys. If anything, there was dialogue about bringing a guy or two in. They were not sending any guys out. No, I would agree with you. I just it as much even as much as Rick Spielman likes draft choices, you got you got a six and two team. I mean, you got a team. You know, you need all 53 men. It's always interesting to me when when you get down to those final two or three roster spots and they go so crazy on them. Half the time, those guys never play. You know, they don't see the field very often. Well, then the other half of the time is you can get a guy through waivers. They got Rodney Adams through waivers. You can get, you know, the tackle Collins. If they have to make a move on the tackle Collins, the undrafted free agent who they really like from TCU, they have to get him through waivers. They can probably get him through waivers. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I think, the as I mentioned before, when you talked about Sloter, I think the longer you wait, the harder it is. But uh, but let's let's face it, you're on the practice squad, you know, you'll know, you start seeing teams, and I don't know if they made a rule change on that or not, but P. 
people will start stealing guys off practice squads late in the season because they know, you know, I'll, I'll use Cleveland again as an example. Do you think that the 54th man on the New England Patriots roster is Betty is better than their, you know, than the yes. 53rd person on or 50? Yeah. So, so they can go and take a couple of those players off that roster, put them on their roster, and then have their rights for next year. All right. Let's talk twins. The ESPN.com way too early 2018 power rankings are out. Where they put the twins is surprising. So we'll address that next. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt. It's 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player, the first major by John Feinstein. Number one New York Times best selling author, John Feinstein, delivers. A dramatic chronicle of the bitterly fought 2016 Ryder Cup pitting a U.S. team out for revenge against the Europeans determined to keep the cup out of American hands. Head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for a chance to win your very own copy. John is fantastic. We will feature him Sunday night, 1045, 5 Eyewitness News. During the sports segment, Sunday night, sat down with John Feinstein when he was in town just a couple weeks ago. He is fantastic on the Ryder Cup. Last year's Ryder Cup, college basketball, and so on. Welcome back. It's the Mackey and Judd Show. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. In, all right, ESPN.com, Dave Harrigan pointed this out to me, Joe. Yep. All right, David Schoenfield is a good writer. Yep. Not a household name, but he is good. He's really good, in fact. I think he's fantastic. Okay. He has his 2018, way early, admittedly, way, way early, 2018 MLB Power Rankings. He just posted them. Where would you guess the Twins came in both across baseball, then in the American League, if you had to guess. Okay, well... Because you haven't seen this. No, I haven't seen this. They made the playoffs last year, so they were one of 12 teams to make the playoffs, right? 12, 6, yeah, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, mm-hmm. six. yeah, 6. I'll say, based on that, I'll say 10th. Well, you are way high. Is it five playoff teams, six playoff teams? Yeah. yeah, yeah ten teams total. Yeah, five ten teams total. Oh, ten total. teams, okay. Yeah, five I, each I, I couldn't count on the air. But, I, yeah, I mean, you would think, based on that, right? yeah, like 10th or 11th overall, right? I mean, yep. they led baseball and run scored the last two months. There's a lot to be hopeful about, right? No, he's got them 10th in the American League. Wow. 19th overall. Pretty much his rationale is, I'll paraphrase, is he doesn't believe in the pitching. He doesn't believe in their ability to strike people out, doesn't believe in the rotation moving forward, doesn't believe in the bullpen. Now, my point would be they can go out and spend some money, whether it's you, Darvish, some other free agent starter. They need a closer. Hey, go spend some money on Wade Davis. They could spend some money this winter. I get it. It's atypical twins. But there is an opportunity to go sign some free agents where you could make David feel a little bit better. But to me, the offense, the offense isn't going anywhere. I think they're, I think they're higher than that. Put it this way. He's got the A's. The Toronto Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, he's got those teams ahead of the Twins at this point entering next year. I don't agree with that. Well, now, first of all, yes, you have to answer this question. And uh, the Felvi Levine era, was this year zero or year one? Because <laughs> that will help me answer the next question. <laughs> you know this, PJ's my guy, but the year zero talk, I mean, give me a break, PJ. Give, give me a break, too. Then, you know what your year zero salary should be? Zero. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um you know, I, I here's what I think. I bet you any money he's basing it on the fact that the Twins have never been aggressive in the free agent market, or at least as aggressive as Toronto, some of those teams that you named. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not quite sure what this regime will do 
based on the fact they, they will have money to spend if they want to spend it. But the one thing you didn't mention about the offense, their defense is pretty good. I mean, the, the big improvement the Twins had, they had a very good defensive outfield. You know, around the, around the diamond, the shortstop was better than we thought he would be defensively. Miguel was better at third than we thought he would be. So the defensively, they're pretty good. Yes. Now, I guess on the other side would be their record this year against playoff teams, including the playoff game, 16-32. and 32. You think about some of the teams right below them in the American League this past year, the Angels, the Rangers, the Orioles, that some of those teams presumably will jump up, that the Twins need to add. If it's status quo, pretty much status quo, this collection of guys heading into next year, that's not a playoff team, I don't think. When Molitor had his news conference, uh, that when they announced his new three-year contract, I asked him afterwards when I got a one-on-one with him, I said, are you closer to... To the final at that time was the final four of the American League and National League Championship Series. I said, "Are you closer to the final four teams in the playoffs right now, or are you closer to the seven or eight teams who were chasing you?" And he said he'd like to think they're closer to the final four th- teams, but he said realistically, we're probably closer to the teams that were chasing us. But we can change that. So that that's probably the other reason that they're ranked so low, according to this writer. I mean, I would say this. I mean, the unanswerable question at this point is how aggressive will Falvey and Levine be this offseason? And them making the playoffs in year one for them, does that change their line of thinking? Did they initially, did Falvey sell the poll ads, you know, including the kid poll ad? I mean, the kid poll ad is the reason Falvey got the job. Did he sell the kid poll ad on here is my five year vision, my seven year vision? Here's where I think we'll be in year three, year four, year five. There's no way that Falvey, when he interviewed for this job, thought, yeah, 2017, we're going to the playoffs. We're finding a way to go to the playoffs. So have things changed based on them getting to 85 victories, based on them getting to the playoffs? Do you have to pivot? Do you have to change your line of thinking heading into this offseason? I'm going to go back to something you first said because I've never heard this before. You said the kid poll ad was the reason that Falvey got hired. I've never heard that one. Yes. Talk, I mean, maybe not the sole reason. Talk to me. But trust me, he was... Kid Polad, who runs the radio and all that, yeah, Kid Polad was heavily involved. How can I a, promise you? How can a radio genius? Um, <laughs> we know enough, right? Yeah. So it's hard to connect the dots. We know enough radio geniuses. And who, who puts the twins on a radio station? Nobody knows where they're at. How can he possibly? <laughs> I'm telling you though, I mean, Falvey sold him, and you know what? I like the Falvey hire. I didn't know the name at the time, but what we've seen so far, then bringing in, convincing Thad Levine to leave Texas to get him in as your number two. I mean, you know, to use the baseball cliche, home run. But I'm just saying, do they now pivot? There's no way a year ago you were thinking about giving you Darvish five years, 100 million this offseason. Do you now think about the possibility of giving you Darvish five years, 100 million? Do you think about the possibility of giving Wade Davis? You need a closer. Do you think about the possibility of giving Wade Davis four years, 72 million? I, I don't think they change from their game plan, from their process. That's all you have to do is look at. These guys have a system, and they're going to stay with their system. Now, if that system calls for them to sign Wayne Davis, Wade Davis for $70 million, they'll do it. But uh, I don't know if that's where they're at. Now, if they can if they can legitimately help the team go to the next level now, I mean, that's that's the question. Where, where do these guys see the window? I would hope you see it here in the next few years with well, Buxton before you have to pay him a ton of money, so no. And so on. We can revisit that topic, yep. though, next hour, Joe. Absolutely, because it's an interesting question. You know, where do they see? I mean, what's the ceiling for this core? I think it's in the next couple of years. So we'll get back to that. 
Plus, we'll get back to the World Series. Plus, the Carlos Correa wedding proposal. We'll get to all that coming up at noon.